0: Braver Angels presents Uniting America. I'm your host, John Wood Jr. From July 5th to July 8th, Braver Angels, America's largest grassroots bipartisan organization dedicated to the work of political depolarization, and all that really means is bringing people together across the political divide. We had our first national convention in nearly four years, um, uh, at Gettysburg college, uh, which of course is in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, the site of the battle of Gettysburg and the Gettysburg address is delivered by Abraham Lincoln. Our goal was to help coalesce a movement of individuals who are in, in organizations, uh, striving to, at the site of this, uh, scene of the most horrific battle one of the most horrific battles of the civil war uh to set the stage for our being able to avoid another one as we go into an election season that i don't think it's any exaggeration to say represents the most salient threat to the health of our democracy to the actual peace of our nation potentially than any we've seen um in recent generations so you may or may not agree with that but in this gathering uh, we set about to chart a path uh, and a vision for how it is we can bring the American people together across communities and institutions, working with people in the academy, uh, in art, in culture, in government, at every level of society. And so we were joined by folks like Governor Spencer Cox, Republican governor of Utah, Congressman Dean Phillips, Democratic uh, member of the House of Representatives from Minnesota. We were joined by folks, like Black Lives Matter activist uh, Hawk Newsom from uh, Black Lives Matter New York and the Black Futures Project, Uh, Francis Collins, uh, former head of the National Institute of Health, President Biden's chief science and advisor, and obviously a pivotal figure along with Dr. Anthony Fauci in rolling out the COVID-19 vaccine uh, and in advising our public health response. And what you get when you bring all those sorts of uh, folks uh, together in a big in a big group, uh, along with prominent organizations from the left and from the right and religious organizations, et cetera, et cetera, uh, is a great deal of passion and also a certain amount of friction and tension, right? Because even when you have people who want to bring folks together, it can still be difficult to stomach the fact that somebody whose politics and whose, whose record in our politics might to you seem very objectionable, Uh, is there with the seat at the table in a way that, you know, may cause you to feel like, well, this is somebody who needs to be held to account before I can sit here and have a a pleasant sort of conversation with them. That's the way a lot of people felt about Francis Collins, for instance, uh, at the gathering. Um, I've gotten to know Francis Collins, uh, fairly, uh, fairly well over recent months. He's a, he's a wonderful person interpersonally. And also, many of my friends who are at the convention, people who are skeptics of the COVID 19 vaccine and the government's response, literally feel like Francis Collins has blood on his hands. Um, Hawk Newsom, Black Lives Matter, is somebody who I've gotten to know fairly well in recent years. Uh, somebody who is a, you know, I think, uh, by his own description, you know, a radical, somebody who, has used language along the lines of wanting to burn down the system. There are many conservatives who feel that Hawk Newsom is himself a proponent for violence. But I've also seen Hock Newsom be willing to show up to the table and have good faith conversations with people who deeply disagree with him. Uh, and I do tend to be of the opinion that this is somebody uh, who, uh, in his heart of hearts, actually is available towards finding h- common ground and human connection with those with whom he disagrees. But the reason I'm saying all this is to simply say that at Braver Angels, and with the many organizations across America, the Listen First Coalition, New Pluralists, and beyond, who are working on this project of reviving goodwill in the body politic, uh, it is just not an easy thing to do. And yet, nothing could be more necessary than making it possible for us to empathize with each other again, even and especially over the consequential disagreements that actually impact our quality of life in America. And so that's what this movement is about. That's what this movement for civic renewal is really about. And so I wanted to take a moment to give you an ample amount of context for what you're about to see next in this episode. Because um, after having heard from folks ranging from scholar Jonathan Rausch to, you know, I mentioned Hawk Newsom and Francis Collins and Governor Spencer Cox and And the incredible uh, band Gangsta Grass, uh, literally bluegrass, hip hop fusion group uh, that had participated in our programs uh, all throughout and helped headline our concert on the last day. Um, Activists and scholars from organizations across America, after hearing from so many different people and engaging in workshops and all sorts of um, uh, intellectual and artistic sort of activities and organizing sessions together on the final day of the convention. I had the privilege of being able to deliver the keynote address, um, to the, to the assembled delegates, uh, in the hall. I should say that we had 700 members, uh, we had 700 delegates in attendance from all across America, evenly balanced between folks leaning left and leaning right, uh, as well as many folks in between. And in my closing, uh, speech, uh, I attempted to re, uh, to recapitulate Uh, Some of what we had experienced together as a community over that stretch of time and to make the case to people that what we are building is something in Braver Angels and this larger movement of multiple organizations and people and groups that are coming together, that what we are doing is building something that will have a sustainable and a durable impact on the American conscience and the way in which we do democracy, not just in the months ahead, but in the years and decades to come. We are setting a foundation for goodwill in American life that it is my belief can prove resilient in the face of the storms of division that we know are massing on the horizon as we go into 2024 and that we know will be with us in some form or fashion or the other as we pivot out into 2025 in the aftermath of this upcoming presidential election. We don't know everything that's going to happen in America uh, in the time to come. But what I think we do know, as a matter of our understanding of history and the faith that we ought to have in one another, is that the American people have the capacity to summon the best in each other by summoning the best in themselves, remembering that we all have a voice and we all have a place in this grand experiment uh, in American democracy, that our republic is one that has a place for all people who are willing to believe in the project of self-governance. And the irony there is that self-governance is something that we do together as a community. And so, in this speech, uh, I attempt to shine a light on just what the power and promise of that work really is, and how it is that we can strive together as an American people uh, towards this house united. And so, without further ado, um, I would like to share with you my closing keynote address Brave Angels 2023 convention in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. It's important to, to remember this is a young country with the world's oldest constitution, oldest written constitution, but we are a young nation, right? And so we are hard on ourselves in this country. In so many ways, in so many reasons, and we've got good reason to be self-critical, of course, but at the same time, we are still growing up. And there's nothing wrong with embracing the growing pains of life, whether as individuals or as nations. We ought not expect perfection. But having said that, and although there has been some some, some agony and pain in the process of our getting to know each other and striving to do something that has never been done before in the history, perhaps, of American civic life in terms of producing an event like this. The last few days at this Braver Angels 2023 convention have produced moments that, for me at least, have been perfect in the sublime nature of just the joy that we have felt together. So, as I stand here, you know, it it occurs to me that this day for me is a long time coming. Many of you know a bit about me. I won't bore folks with too much about my own biography at this point. But one thing that people will know is that, you know, I come from a family that is mixed race and cross-partisan, and that is also differentiated by class in a very stark sort of way. I grew up in a community that was deeply multicultural, deeply diverse, uh, where I had to find myself as a person who was black and white, grew up in Los Angeles, an urban community, uh, but would travel back and forth to uh, my grandparents' wealthy home who received a great deal of Southern nostalgia and Southern nests his identity and lingo. I you know, found myself walking around LA and, you know, people asking me, you know, where can I find uh, directions to, you know, to the, uh, uh, to the, to the gas station up the street. And I said, we well, just head up over yonder here, you know, you know, hook a right at the McDonald's and I reckon you'll find it. Okay. And so people say, okay, where the hell are you from? And, uh, you know. One of the, at some point I looked up and, and remembered that's, like, oh, I guess I'm a bit of a Tennessean by, uh, by, um, by association, right? Which is just another way of saying that, um, you know, being coastal, being urban, being black, being white, being in a sense left and right, because Democrats and Republicans are just mom and dad for me. That's just another way of saying I'm an American, right? Because we are all of us each other. And in this sense, you know, because all of these streams of the American experience go into making me, I am all of you and all of you are me. That sounds Pollyannish. But the reality of the situation is this. The youngness of America. And the reason we need to have some grace and patience for ourselves. Lies in the fact. that. Even when you dig down deep beneath the idea of the United States of America as a project of self-governance, it is also a project of forming, of forming a family across the bitter divides of philosophical differences and the great chasms in our religious convictions and our geographic places of origin, our various ancestral nationalities, to come to a place where in a deep commitment to freedom, liberty, and justice, but also love and goodwill for one another, we can look at somebody who does not look like us, does not think like us, does not believe like us, and say, that person is an American, that person is my neighbor, that person is my friend, that person is my brother or sister, we are family e parbasunam we are one and as a part of that that we are redeemable i enjoyed um, governor cox's appearance earlier i don't know if i would vote for her or, or him or not it doesn't it doesn't really matter um I enjoyed his appearance because there was some humility in it. I am amazed. I listened to and have listened for my whole life to so many politicians, so many pundits, you know, with nothing good to say about their opponents, with nothing good to say about people on the other side of the aisle. As if if they themselves have nothing to apologize for, nothing to answer for. And yet we all do. We all do. None of us are perfect. None of us are free from mistakes, free from deep and bitter failings. And even if we think that the other folks have done worse and are more wrong than we are on on any given thing, our capacity to look inward and take count, take stock of the ways in which we are wrong. The ways in which we could treat each other better ought to allow us to speak with grace and humility about folks who think and feel differently about things than we do. Because in doing this, you know, we create the space for us to actually trust one another again. Who are these perfect people? Who are these perfect politicians? Who are these perfect Democrats? These perfect Republicans? These folks who say that the problem is just with everything else that everybody else does. that These people don't exist. But we find ourselves in an environment in America where so many of us feel that the only way to stand up for the, for the things that we truly believe in, for the things that are important, climate, justice, opportunity, the economy, the sovereignty of our borders, public health, national security, religious freedom, that the only way for us to stand up for these things that matter is to drink from the cup of bitterness. And I tell you that that is wrong. But it's not wrong just because I'm saying it. It's wrong because we here in this hall, and if we look at the greater arc of American history, can see the coming together of the American people across lines of difference in ways that show us that we have it within us, you know, to, to treat each other better, better than we do, while still advocating for the things that are true. Our ability to do that is something that we have proven here. Even if we've got a much longer way to go as a community, as an organization, as a movement, as a coalition of organizations. But we are proving to the United States of America for everybody who is here to see us and everybody who will hear about this gathering, that it is possible for us to battle it out with each other on the things over which we disagree and emerge from those conflicts as friends. And so I want to point out that the work that we're doing, it is hard, y'all. You know? It is hard. And sometimes, you know, one thing that happens is we get so joyful, we get so happy about things, you know, that sometimes some people might have a difficult time feeling like, well, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, a little uneasy about something. Or I actually, you know, I like what this is, but I didn't feel good about that. I'm not sure I agree with this. And I'm afraid to say it because other people are having such a good time. Believe me, your discomfort is welcome. We all feel it. (laughs) You know, that is okay. If you had a moment or if you've had a bunch of moments that left you feeling unsure about this whole, you know bringing Americans together from, you know, all across the divide. That is perfectly natural. You know, part of the context of this convention here is that many of us were already having tough conversations about, well, if we're going to bring the American people together, should we be having front and center focused conversations about religion? Should we be talking about this civic project in explicitly religious terms? And then we had a plenary um, to open up our session That included beautiful testimony, in my opinion, um, from Elder Corbett of the Latter-day Saints, Church of Latter-day, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that was beautiful and moving for many, and also challenging for many, right? If you felt some discomfort with that, that is okay. There are many of us who are overjoyed that we were joined by Francis Collins, this nation's foremost public health authorities and somebody who is a leader in our COVID-19 pandemic response and somebody who many Americans also feel ought to be challenged and held accountable by somebody who is, is peer in science and public standing in the conversation because many people do not trust the institutions that Dr. Collins represents. And therefore, some of us were frustrated by his presence here, or at least by some of the ways in which we held the conversation, if you feel that way, that is okay. It's okay to be skeptical, to have some doubt, to have some discomfort. And I haven't even gotten a Hawk Newsom. <laughs> 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 the truth is, is that, you know, we're in a moment in our country where We are having to prove sort of, in a sense, the metal of the American experiment all over again because we have this grand and glorious sort of vision of America as one that has triumphed over prejudice, over division, over over the forces that would limit our freedoms, time and time again, generation after generation. And because many of these victories are in the rearview mirror, some of us take it for granted that they will always continue, while others of us look at the ways in which America has always fallen short and come to think that at some point this thing has got to fall apart because we're more diverse than we've ever been. We face obstacles that we've never faced before. We can talk about technology. We can talk about social media. We can talk about the incentive structure of our political media, of the political parties, all the ways in which... The system as it stands seems to divide us, right? And there are many people looking at this country thinking, there's no way these people can hold together for much longer. And when we look at the fact that we have so many Americans who do not trust the electoral process, do not trust the public health establishment, it's easy to get cynical. What we have to offer to the United States of America is hope. But not just hope, hope with a vision and hope with a plan. There are a lot of people who don't know a lot about Braver Angels who think that all we do is talk. Talking is just where it begins, y'all. Talking is just where it begins. It didn't happen on accident. It didn't happen automatically that we were able to build a network of volunteers that spans all 50 states. A community that traverses the United States of America geographically and demographically. A community and a leadership that is evenly bipartisan, red and blue, that is making a deep and indelible difference in the culture of college campuses, that's introducing a way of thinking about our politics in the press, in the digital media, in local communities, in ways that expand our sense of what is possible in this society, in this democracy. That didn't happen by accident. It didn't happen with a lot of money, but it happened with a lot of people who believed. And we are just getting started. We cannot articulate the things that we know altogether. I mean, you can listen to me get up here and pontificate and use high highfalutin words. And people say, John, you talk too long. I'll be like, I know you right. But we're trying to figure out how to say the things, how to say the things that we're feeling here because we're trying to do something that has never really been done to build a movement based on disagreement, but on the deeper common bonds of goodwill that link us. This really is about love, but love is idealistic and it is practical because we cannot have a democracy if we do not love each other. Right? I'm not that naive, y'all. I know it may seem like it sometimes, but I'm not. Love is the only thing that holds my family together. Because to be honest, we don't agree on much. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. My mom and dad split uh, early in my, in my childhood. But even if it's from a difference, distance, they still got love for each other. Me and my wife are from the same generation. We are from, you know, we're both both African American, but we come from distinctly different backgrounds and we disagree on a whole lot, but we are raising a family with three beautiful children. We are doing that through love. But love makes us take the time to understand one another even when it's hard. And that's what Americans have to do. Right? See the thing is is that We have to have a lot of empathy for folks who are locked in the culture wars, I believe. I take um, Governor Cox's point that, you know, Americans are arguing about a lot of things that don't matter on Twitter. And yet, you know, if it moves you to outrage, if it moves you to be upset, well, it matters to you and it matters for a reason. I might not ever agree with your reason, but it helps me to understand the story that lies behind you, that lies behind you seeing the world the way that you do. Here at Braver Angels, we're not even saying that people's opinions are right or wrong. We can't. The the opinion map in this room spans the spectrum. But what we are saying, what we're saying to America, what we're saying to the media, what we're saying to the politicians is that when we talk about each other, let's not reduce each other to stereotypes. Let's talk in terms of the stories that actually show who we are. Because our leaders ought to be doing that. They ought to be doing that, but that's okay. Because even if they don't, we will. So with this civic renewal movement, it gives we the people the opportunity to take the first step in showing the better angels of our nature. And as we build these relationships of trust with each other, we create the space to challenge one another in a way that allows us to eventually get to the point of truth. Because despite what people may say, truth matters at Braver Angels. We just know that you can't get to truth without trust. We have to trust each other. You know, I, um, I only know them so well. Um, but I love Francis Collins and I love Hawk Newsom. I see them as being made in the image of God. I see them as being my brothers. And I can't say that they're right or wrong on this, that, or the other. I have my own opinions. And if you ask me privately, I'll share them. Right? But I know that whatever you think of them as public figures, they only are who they are because they represent the views of millions of Americans. It doesn't, um, doesn't matter who you point to in that way. You know? Every person you see is a face that reflects the points of view and experience of many, many other people. And so that should give us some pause before we come to rush to judgment of one another in personal terms. And yet, if we don't come to a point in this country where we can restore trust in the electoral system, in our elections, where we can restore trust in the public health establishment, not to mention the media, not to mention the political parties. We won't have a democracy to defend. Debate is a part of this. And this is why, in the interest of building trust between the American people, we make space for us to challenge each other. Because it matters, because it's necessary. Right? But again, it starts with us seeing each other as human beings. If we skip that step, we can build nothing on top of it. Now, it's worth saying that, you know, it might seem like I'm up here talking big game. That's my job. I really do believe that braver angels can change America for the better in a way that delivers us to a greater future, in part by hearkening back on the best things from our past, that we can do this together. But even though this hall is mostly full, and even though we had a jam-packed convention, 700 people, 12,000 members, 2,500 active volunteers. Yeah, maybe we've got, you know, maybe we've got 85, 90 college campuses. Maybe we've got 100 local alliances. You know, maybe we've got a good thing going. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's wonderful. But this is a country of 300-some-odd million people. And you might think, well, God, isn't this just a drop in the bucket compared to that? You know. Here's the thing. People have a sense of social change as being something that only matters if it's loud and explosive and gets people mobilized by the millions overnight in anger and in outrage, shouting loud and drowning people out, right? And sometimes social movements are like that, of course. That's a fantastic thing. We are few, but we are mighty. And the movement that we are building is one that I do believe will reach many, many, and many more. But it's also worth reckoning with the fact that we are building something that will endure over time. A movement isn't just a landslide or a rock slide. It's also taking a small seedling, nurturing it with love and grace, with light and water, watching it sprout up into a sapling before it becomes a mighty oak, something that can withstand the winds and the rains of hatred and vitriol and prejudice and bitterness something that can be a refuge for people in the storm. When we lose trust in the institutions around us, when we feel that the prevailing narratives in our society don't see us, don't acknowledge our humanity, when we feel that there's no place to turn, there are some Americans who are building something that is giving space for people to show up and be their full selves, to talk about the issues that matter, and to innovate solutions that can actually work. This is slow, durable, disciplined work. It starts with modesty, with humility, with a small seed and sapling, but it'll grow into a mighty oak that america will see and if you believe in it it'll be visible from a distance and it will make the difference in the united states of america because of you because of you because you have the courage to believe that there was something redeemable in the person that you disagreed with because you had the courage to look at the person who has a different bumper sticker than you, a different T-shirt than you, your mother, your father, or a stranger who you hardly ever knew anything about before, but you knew that there was something in that person that wasn't any different from you, and therefore, they were worth talking to. Imagine that way of thinking becoming the norm on our college campuses. Imagine that way of thinking becoming predominant in our digital media and eventually our political media because there is a groundswell of Americans who are calling upon those who define the narratives in our politics to see the truth about who we are. Imagine That patriotic empathy taking root in the Democratic and Republican parties because you've got people who, yes, vote left and vote right, but who in their heart of hearts know that more important than that is the fact that they are Americans. And because they are Americans, they are willing to see the best in each other. And braver angels is the reason that gives them the place to come to to organize on behalf of that consciousness and on behalf of that way of thinking. You guys can move the parties if you bring this way of thinking into them. Because Democrats and Republicans alike love America. We've just got to remember to love each other. You know, I I am just honored, really, and inspired to be with all of you. I've served as Braver Angels National Ambassador for five years or so. And I look forward to being a part of this community, being a part of this family for 50 more. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going to happen in the 2024 election, y'all. I don't. I don't know everything that's coming down the pike. I know it's going to be some stuff, right? I know it's going to be some stuff. And whatever happens, we're going to have to deal with it. But I do know, even ahead of time, and I just say it as a, statement of, as a statement of faith, and you don't have to be religious to agree with me, the United States of America will emerge better. We will emerge better. We will. We will emerge better because the antibodies, of grace, and goodwill are circulating through the bloodstream of the body politic. And you see that here. Again, this is not an accident, you know. And 50 years from now, I expect to see thriving alliances all around the country all around the country, holding gatherings like this not just in one city in America every year, but in every state across America every year. Potentially, I expect to see thriving communities of folks doing what the good people at Bridge USA, the vanguard, the Gen Z vanguard of the civic renewal movement are doing day after day, although with dozens of students, hundreds of students, thousands and 10,000 students across America, until we get to the point to where it's just normal to talk to people you disagree with, because that's what it means to be an American. Look forward to the day to where we just sort of take it for granted that we're willing to engage and empathize with each other because that's normal. They've been doing it for years. Years ago, there was a small, scrappy group of folks. They called themselves Braver Angels, and they have this highfalutin sort of idea of civic renewal and this kind of naive sort of idea of patriotic empathy, but they plugged that into an infrastructure of social change, and holy cow, did that not change things in a way that we all remember. Now we're on to a better class of problems. <laughs> So don't underestimate your own power. Because, you know, leave me when I say as we stand in this place where so much blood was spilled in a moment in time where you could have easily imagined that the American experiment was at a bitter and a devastating end. That was 160 years ago. 100 years after that, a man with a prophetic voice let him march on Washington, where he called the American people to see the best in, in the shadow of that, that great American, to see a path towards the glittering daybreak of freedom and justice and equality, leading us towards this vision of what American can be from the wellspring of love deep within his heart and the heart of a movement of people who believed that love was a power that could transform the hearts of the prejudiced, of the ignorant of those who have been fed a false narrative about their humanity because that was what it meant to honor the true legacy of this nation's founding because this was a country and this is a country founded on the idea that all men are created equal and they had only to remind us of the inheritance that we have to tap back into that conscience to make a reality a hundred years after the Emancipation Proclamation was proclaimed. Justice was overdue, but justice would not be denied. <laughs> but it flows, it was social change that flows from love, that flows from a willingness to hear one another, to understand one another, to suffer and sacrifice alongside each other. Right? And so we have it within us to do just that. This has been an amazing experience, y'all. This has been an amazing experience. But I want everybody here to realize that it really is just the beginning. It really is. You are leaving a legacy in this place, in this moment of time. What we do here today will grow. It will grow. And if we take the spirit with us, And remember that the way we think about one another, the way that we speak to each other, the courage with which we reach out to one another, with willingness to humanize one another, and the courage to speak truth both to power and to our friends, but in a spirit that recognizes the human dignity of everybody in the conversation. If we show the American people how to do that, if we build the structures that make it possible for them to do that, this will be a movement that transforms the conscience of America for all time to come. It has happened before. It will happen again. Because this is the American way. This is the Braver Angels way. And that is my time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Uniting America. If you'd like to support the show, you can do it by subscribing on YouTube and on your favorite podcast platform and leaving us a positive rating, review, or suggestions. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and tune in for more content. And learn more about the movement to depolarize America at braverangels.org.